Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We are going to do our comprehensive offense breakdown from the Browns' 26-6 win over the Chicago Bears. If you missed yesterday's defense breakdown, go back, check that out. Uh, about 18-19 minutes on personnel blitzes, everything I've gathered from the game, performances too, and also tied in at the end of it, our Monday Rewind Twitch session, which I joined that show. You can check that out. All of the things you need to know about how the defense performed when it pairs perfectly with the nine sack display uh, film room I put on the OBR website and the JOK performance film room I also put up. Those kind of all paired together. There are links to that in the bio. Uh, we also did uh, the, well, tonight I'm recording this on Tuesday night. We did our, it's a weird week. We're doing Baker on Tuesday and then the offensive line and defense on, on Wednesday night. So I did Baker. That is posted. The internet went sideways a couple times. So it's actually posted over the course of, two di- well three different videos but it's all there you can check that out i'm exploring different ways to do this to crystallize some of the some of the lag issues that we're experiencing cuz that part really stinks so kind of going to finagle different angles whether that means pre-recording it and being in to ask questions or something sorry answer questions try to figure out something cuz the goal is to get you the all 22 and talk about it and I can break it down that way and maybe answer some of the questions that pop up in the comments section and the film will be better quality. So yeah, considering doing that. Uh, Over to this game, because we're talking about the Browns' performance, they had a whopping 78 plays. If you take out some of their penalty plays, they had four penalty plays, so 78 total plays. They went for, uh, let's see here, 418 total yards, a nice 5.4 average gain per play. And then uh, 215 net rushing, 203 net passing, and 39 minutes and 34 seconds of time of possession. We are going to talk to our guest Jordan Zerm here in a little bit where I will discuss the frustrations the Browns had, how the Bears teed them up perfectly. on the, The first fourth down was a miscommunication on snap count. The ball was snapped. It fluttered. The left side didn't even move. The second one, the Bears schemed them up perfectly. But then you mix in some holding calls at the wrong time on the wrong side of the field. You mix in a sack here and there. And all of a sudden, those drives that are promising you're seven to eight plays in and you're on the bare side of the field, all of a sudden you're shooting yourself in the foot and that kills drives. So while it was frustrating, the fourth quarter performance is really the difference. You run for 100 yards. We're going to talk about all of that. The player of the game, obviously Kareem Hunt, he went for collectively... 10 carries, 81 yards, and a touchdown, 6 catches, 74 yards. He is leading the Browns in receiving yards, making a difference. Going to be a point of our our guest here in just a minute. His 90.6 grade was phenomenal collectively, both run and pass. Jack Conklin, 89.1 total grade, great in both phases. Baker was the third highest with a 76.4. Odell at the 76.2. Austin Hooper, 72.6. The guys who struggled the most... And I just don't see it. They gave David Njoku a poor grade in 50 snaps, 45.8. Again, I didn't see it that way. Harrison Bryant didn't pop out to me, but that's the grade he received at 46. 
Uh, Blake Hans, who I did think struggled in his 11 snaps, stepping in for Jed, a 48.3. Otherwise, Jed, a 60.3, where he run-blocked. This is the flip of where Jed has been. He run-blocked really effectively, but his pass protection is just struggling. He cannot cannot hit a spot right now with his ankle, and they got to make a tough decision here soon about resting him and getting him right. Wyatt Teller with the 65.6 grade against Akeem Hicks, who's one of the best interior uh, defensive linemen. That was a battle worth watching. I posted some clips. Brandon Thorne posted some clips. So that'll give you a great view of it. After tomorrow night, you'll know about the O-line and and the defense. You'll know about Baker. If you go back, if you have not already, go back and watch those Twitch videos. All of that stuff is out there for you to digest. Personnel from the season. Okay. Got, Got some numbers for you here that I like to be the one of the few that provide these things. 194 collective snaps this year. Okay. 13% have been 21 personnel. That's two running backs, typically a fullback, a halfback, and one tight end, two wide receivers. That's 13%. 22 personnel, which is two two running backs, two tight ends, uh, only six plays, so 3%. 12 personnel, they've run one one running back, two tight ends, 41 plays this year, 21%. 11 personnel, 78 plays. It's their most popular single grouping, uh, 40, 40% collectively. 13 personnel, 42 snaps, which is 22%. And then 23, which is your goal line, two running backs, three tight ends. Only two times they ran that against the Texans on the goal line. So they're doing what we thought they'd do, right? They're about 40% of 11 personnel and then getting up over 40% between 12 and 13 personnel, which is your heavier personnel packages, multiple tight ends, even getting up into like the 46 range if you include those six plays and 22 personnel. So this game specifically, and we should, we'll talk about motion shifting here in a second, 78 plays against the bears. You had nine and 21 personnel. Again, two backs, one tight end, 12%, 22 personnel, two backs, two tight ends, 1%, just one play, 12 personnel. They had 11 snaps, one back, two tight ends, 14% of the, of the snaps, 11 personnel, 33. So again, that right about that 40% number, 42%. And then 13 personnel, those three tight ends and one running back, one wide receiver, 24 snaps with 31%. So, again, if you combine the 12 and 13, it's more than the 11 personnel. So that's what you're seeing. Collectively for the year, that's the that's the formula, guys. You're going to see a, a low 40% 11 personnel. Unless the Browns are behind, they're trying to come back like crazy. That's what you're going to see. A lot of... A lot of 12 and 13 personnel with 11 personnel sprinkled in. And, you know, whether it's like four-minute offense or two-minute offense, or if they're trying to come back, that'll uptick with the 40% number. Between 12 and 13 personnel, you're probably you're probably looking close to 50% most of the time. That's where they sat all year. Um, 97 motion snaps this year out of 194. So obviously around that 50% number. 21 shift snaps. Shifting and motioning, they have done it on 23 snaps. So that's a shift going one side to another and then a motion player as well. So the Browns ran 41 motion snaps out of 78 against Chicago, five shift snaps only. So shift, no motion. And then 12, or sorry, just two of them where there was a shift and a motion. So again, you know, 50%, they're trying to move people around and manipulate. Check out where that is across the league here soon. But that is the numbers as they have unfolded so far through the year and then where they were against Chicago. Now we're going to get over to our uh, interview here with Jordan Zerm, who does the checkdown. Been a Cleveland guy forever. He writes on the Browns every now and again, does his own thing. 
Uh, respect Jordan's opinion. Want to bring him on, talk about the Browns, not just through Chicago, but collectively for the year so far. Some good conversations in here. Let's get over to that right now. Want to talk again and give a shout out to our sponsor, TickPick.com. Reminder, they are the no-fee ticket site. The price you see when you put the tickets in your cart is the price you pay at the end. They don't hide fees that sometimes make the price end up being double what you expected. They're so certain they offer the best ticket prices in the industry. If you find a cheaper ticket price for the same ticket, they will match that up to 110%. Take advantage of that opportunity through TickPick.com slash breakdown. For listeners of this podcast, you will get $10 off your first order if you use that promo code breakdown. TickPick.com slash breakdown. Take advantage of that $10 off offer. Go buy tickets to the next home game when the Cardinals come to Cleveland. Take advantage, folks. TickPick.com slash breakdown. All right, welcoming in Jordan Zerm. How are you, man? Jake, man, I'm good. Um, somehow we're already past week three, so it's good to uh, good to chat with you as uh, as we get into the the meat of the season, I guess. But uh, yeah, man, all is well. How are things with you? We're okay. It's a grind. It's a lot of work. We we've added it Twitch. Is, <laughs> it is a it is a grind, man. There is no other sports season in terms of the people that I think like work in any capacity in sports media. That feels like a grind like the NFL is, and it's wild because you're like, wow, it's only, you know, 17, 18 weeks now, and we have a week in between, but it's just like, it is just such a grind. It is, and it's like this rat race for coverage at the beginning of the week. You're trying to put out things and opinions that no one else has maybe gotten to yet or said, and it's uh, like my Friday, my Sunday night into Monday morning is like three hours of sleep, four hours of sleep. And it's, uh, yep. it's probably not the healthiest way for me to go. <laughs> so it is, it is a grind. And, uh, you know, for the Browns too, I, I kind of want to ask you a weird question. They're two and one, one of their best starts in a long time. Uh, and I think, you know, I think last year they started two and one, but it was a little more unexpected, I would say. Does it just mm-hmm. feel like a really rough two and one to you? Like it hasn't been as enjoyable as it should be. Um, yeah, it does. It, it's been a weird, like you know, that Kansas City game was so sort of enthralling, especially for you know their, especially before halftime when they were really just dominating that game, and you're like, wow, like the, the offense looks incredible. They're doing enough on defense that you know they're slowing the Chiefs down, and like you're like, all right, let's go, like even though they lost that game and, you know, they, they lost that game in a Browns of the past way, sort of like self-inflicted wounds. It just was like, you know, like that the offense was rolling. Like it felt really good to just watch that. And then these last two games have sort of just been a little bit of a slog and a little bit of, um, you know, there's caveats with each one, you know, obviously there's a caveat of the game against the Texans and they, lose Tyrod Taylor, who was just eviscerating the Browns up until when uh, when he went out. Now, they, I, I still think they probably win that game regardless, but it was still kind of like, uh, this this looks different than, you know, even week one against a vastly better offense. Yeah. Um, and then last week was just weird because it sort of flip-flopped. Like, obviously, the defensive performance was spectacular, but the Bears <laughs> reading – content from people who have been um who who cover the bears or even just people nationally who watch that game like it is just stunning to sort of see people are like this is the worst offensive performance i've seen from a team in like a decade so like yes the browns were phenomenal offensively they knew 
exactly what the Bears wanted to do, and they shut it down. Uh, and the defensive line, obviously, specifically Miles Garrett, uh, really just ruined anything the Bears wanted to do. But then you kind of like feel like offensively, it didn't feel great. Um, they did some good things, especially on the ground. Um, but yeah, like it just didn't feel like like Baker just felt um, as off as we've probably seen Baker in a while. Um, so yeah, it. I don't know if I would say like it feels rough. I think like there is something to the fact that uh, people point this out, like the Browns won a game by 20 in it, in which their quarterback was kind of, eh, um, and their offense was kind of, eh, and they, it was about as, I don't know if you felt this way, Jake, but it was about as sloppy of a game on offense as the Browns have played in a while. Like those two fourth, those two fourth and one plays in the first quarter where there was just miscommunications or there was a coverage that they weren't expecting. We're just kind of disasters on both those plays. And like, you're just not really used to, to seeing that from Stefanski uh, Stefanski's offense. So uh, maybe rough isn't the word I'd use, but definitely like, I don't feel I, it's weird. They, they have two wins, but I don't feel as good about them as I did after their week one loss to the chiefs. If that makes any sense. It does. It does. I think this week will tell us more than any other week, probably mm-hmm. so far. They were very amped up and had clearly game planned up the Chiefs pretty well. Not that the Chiefs have been stopping anybody else, as we've seen, but they, they had a great feel for what Kansas City was going to do defensively. And we are guys focusing on offense today. So uh, kind of dialing it in there. We'll we'll throw a little defense at the end, but for the most part, focusing offense, um, you know, I, I, I this is another overarching thing. Like I kind of tweeted out after the Texans game that they just didn't seem into it. Like, and there yep. are just these the the same sort of n- things you hear about Houston. They hear about Houston. These guys are a bunch of role players. They're not at our level. So you show up and you think just showing up is going to be enough. I just thought they've slept walk through that game. And and you and really yesterday's game was just a bunch of weird things. Some penalties into drives. The fourth yep. down where Treader kind of double clutch snaps it and the left side's not moving. It was uh, unusual. Then the Bears had the perfect defense called into that play action sprint out where they cover two uh, Nick Chubb's flat route with an over out. Yep. It was DOA. So, like, I think it was just a, a kind of – not that the Browns weren't ready to go. They were clearly – playing like a pretty pissed off defense, but I kind of feel like the last two weeks when they looked at this schedule, they just counted those as wins. And there was a lot of, Hey, if we just show up, we'll be fine. That's just me though. Not that that's okay, but I feel like that happens in every sport. They sometimes great teams just walk through games and you still find ways to win. Right. Yeah, no, I think you're spot on about that, especially the Texans game that very much felt like Okay, we you know we're we're pissed about the Kansas City loss, but like we looked pretty good, especially offensively. We flexed our muscle a little bit. Like this is the Texans; they have, you know, they have like the mid two thousands all stars on this roster. Like it's just, uh, yeah, and that's sort of you know human and especially you know player nature when you know every game is such a a thing you have to get up for. Um, I thought you know yeah, like like you said last or on, on Sunday, the defense obviously had. Um, had been hearing about uh, how poorly poorly they played, and then Miles put a little gasoline on that fire with some of his his comments about getting chipped. And hey, it'd be cool if my teammates did some stuff. Um, and then they all did some stuff. I mean, Miles obviously led that charge, but um, but yeah, but like offensively, it's like that was a game where uh, not even the stuff you just saw during the game on broadcast, the the throws that Baker missed that he usually just doesn't really miss those throws. Like whether it was the wheel route to, uh, 
to Felton or, you know, he missed uh, Harrison Bryant on sort of one of those over routes later in the game. And then I tweeted out today that even on that fourth and, or that was, I'm sorry, that was a third down play where they ran like that little orbit motion to, to Felton um, and, and Baker hit him. And, you know, that's a, I think all that's of us, such a tough time, scheme. It's, so it, it's tough. a tough scheme, but like, I think a lot of us too felt like, okay, you know, Felton had enough room initially where like, he maybe could have gotten that yard, but the Bears just, tack, you know, got there and tackled him. And that was it. But if you uh, – I tweeted a, a screen grab, which I know sometimes doesn't show the full breadth of the play, but, like, Baker sort of just was going to Felton immediately. And obviously, you know, we don't know what his progressions were. But Harrison Bryant was running a very similar route to, like, where Baker missed him later in the game, um, kind of coming open as he's kind of running towards the the corner pylon. Um, and, and Baker had some time and, uh, had he looked downfield a little bit, like that was a, a walk-in touchdown. Uh, one of the, the corners playing sort of the zone in front of, of Bryant there, uh, was about to try and jump. Like, I, I think Donovan's people Jones had a quick little like comeback route and that corner was like going to, was trying to jump that. So he was leaving a ton of room in front of Bryant. And then there was just a safety back there, uh, that would have had no shot. So it was just one of those games that was like, you know, we don't know what's going on with Baker health wise. Um, and, and we'll probably never fully know the extent of like what he's dealing with. And it, and it isn't his throwing shoulder, but you just sort of wonder like how comfortable he is the week after that injury in the pocket. Um, whether he'd like to get the ball out quick because he doesn't want to get hit and he doesn't, you know, he's got favoring that shoulder, but yeah. he just, he missed some throws that you don't expect. And he just sort of, you know, we've seen some games where Baker has occasionally missed stuff downfield. Um, in terms of like what he's seeing. And it felt like that, it felt like that kind of game against the bears where like, he just wasn't really seeing the field super well outside of some amazing throws that he still made in that game. But yeah, it was just, I don't know. It was a weird, it was one of the weirder Baker games that we've had in a while. Yeah. I thought, I thought last week's second half was pretty brutal. I just didn't think he was very good. And I thought he, he blatantly missed a lot of things. Now he played 19 of 21. So I'm the guy trying to say that it wasn't a very good game. And, of course, you know, some people don't love that. But I don't care. They don't pay me to do it that way. They pay me to show you how Baker – I think it's pretty clear, and I'm going to write on this at some point, Baker's good. It's how good can Baker get. Yeah. You know, that I think you can win with Baker. I think he has a chance. If he's streaky right now, if he's hot, he can get you to a Super Bowl and potentially win it. I'm cool with that. But is the goal for Baker to be pretty good? Like, is is the goal for Baker to be like a – uh, trying to think of the right way to put it. I'm not sure the quarterback comparison I have off the top of my head, but is the goal for him to be pretty good or is the goal for Baker to be like really damn good where not just Brown circles think he's good, but the national coverage thinks, okay, this guy's special all the time. Look what he does. That's the goal. So the goal when I'm trying to talk about him is how does he get there? So like there's like to me, it's it's kind of like the Browns team in general. They're clearly good. How good? Mm-hmm. We're going to have to see. We still don't know yet. And that's where I'm still at with Baker. And really, Jordan, that's the dilemma they're having internally. We think he's good. How good is he? And how much do we pay him? Like, that's kind of where it sits. So, yeah, I do I do think that there's some element of uh, the week three game, you know, with this Bears game where he just he missed some things. Some, some things I talked through on Twitch tonight were obvious. Some things were less obvious. He missed some throws. Um I actually think he was better this past week than he was the week before, but that's just me personally. I also think the Bears do think like the Bears have real dudes up front. Even Wyatt Teller yeah, they, was like, they they got some guys like he they they, they you know. I, Akeem Hicks hit um, 
I forget whether it was Teller or somebody else, but Akeem Hicks hit one of those guys with a swim move oh, uh, in Teller. that game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was Teller and mm-hmm. was in the backfield in a harpy. No, I mean, that Bears defense is pretty the good, front. which is the why front it's is good. Right. The front, like, yes, the front is good. The box um, between like Quinn and and Khalil and and Hicks was playing yep. good. And they were missing Eddie Goldman, who's pretty damn good yep. too. But you know, Roquan and Jalen Johnson's coming along. He's going to be a nice player in the NFL for a long time. But yeah, like they're good, and they did what the the thing that you got to do to stop Baker, right, Jordan? Which is pressure him. You put put yep. pressure on him. And to me, Jed Wills was not right. He just does not seem to be moving well. No, and that's a, um, you know, that's an issue that's going to, if it's sort of like a high ankle sprain, um, that's not something that you can sit out for a week and it's healed. And he obviously has been trying to play through it, um, but that could be a lingering issue all season. So that's obviously something to look for. I think going back to your point about um, Baker and yeah, like we, we know he's good now. That's no longer the sort of bar that we're, we have for Baker anymore. It's like, yeah, do you want Baker? Can he be great? And I think like the thing too is, you know, I pointed out some of these on Twitter and you did as well. Like there's throws in every game that he makes that you're like, damn, like Mm -hmm. for me, that back shoulder to Donovan Peoples Jones um, was an incredible throw uh, where he just like the moment Peoples Jones sort of turned to see where that ball was, it was in his hands. Like it was like a magnet in his hands. And you see throws like that and you're like, wow. And obviously the touchdown pass to, to Austin Hooper, like a lot of people have talked about, too that just a on a rope really good throw and the other one that stood out for me too was i think it was odell's like second catch or maybe it was his first one after they tried to go to him on the slant early Mm -hmm. uh, like second play of the game they come back to him and he sort of had his uh, curl reed route yeah yeah and the the corner had his back to him and so baker and odell kind of had to be on the same page about like okay which way is Odell moving when he sort of settles and I'll throw it right there. And like the, the communication in the split second between them was great. And Baker mm-hmm. put it right, uh, right on the money. So like he makes these throws and you're like, okay, you know, like this is what we expect from Baker. He has the arm talent to make these throws. Um, but you just want to see it on a more consistent basis. And I think like that's always sort of been what's probably held Baker from being back in the, like when we talk about these top tier of quarterbacks and why, yeah, I think like national people maybe don't hold him exactly in the same regard as maybe some of the more, you know, Browns fans and just people maybe on the local scene a little bit, because yeah, you do just feel like sometimes he misses throws or he's, he's not seeing guys or he's not having a consistent game. And you're like, but we know he's got these throws in them. And so it's just kind of like a, I think these next two weeks, Jake, are going to be really like, they're both on the road. That Chargers game is going to be really, really tough. Um, the Vikings just won their first game, but like, they're just, a, you know, they're on good. the road, they're a good yeah. team. They yeah. have a good offense and you're going to have to keep up with them. So like, I think these next two games are going to be pretty big and yeah, it, it, it continues to be a development thing with Baker where, uh, yeah, I think you put it perfectly. Like we know he's good. Like that's no longer the goal. You know, the goal is now and the front office is, goal to get this information is yeah like how how good can he be and is he is can he be great can he be in that top tier and i still think like you know that question still lingers it does linger it absolutely does like i've watched enough baker where i can pretty much tell you everything about him like if he misses Mm -hmm. he's gonna miss high more often than not he misses high that's his thing it's partly because the guys in front of him uh, alter his launch point to where he feels like he has to throw over the top of people sometimes and his trajectory on throws over the top of people 
he pushes it high. That's his miss. People will always ask me mechanically, why is Baker miss high? I, there's no great answer for that. It is because yep. he is trying to pull the football down over top of people. And if he doesn't find the right throwing window, he leaves it high. It's a thing. It's been that I way think, for three years. I was just going to say to that point too, I think it was the throw. This might've been on the first series as well. He was very erratic on that first series. Um, it was like, I think Schwartz was just running a little like out to the sideline yep. and he just like sailed it. Like yeah. it didn't even look like he was trying to complete it. Like it was just very weird. And that the DN drops under it. Like Quinn drops yeah. under it and he has Njoku on his, I I'm just, this is fresh. Cause I just broke it all down. Njoku yeah. stops his route. He runs. It's a two man concept. It's a, it's a 10 yard out and a little stick route. You're just high lowing yep. the corner. And, and the thing that happens is Quinn drops out. He's sitting underneath, but instead of Quinn sitting on the stick, he chases uh, the 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 out route by uh, it's a bunched he's tight like like uh, Schwartz is tight to the line of scrimmage we call that a bunch formation and there's there's room but he gets nervous about it and he sails it like it's just yep. it's his miss man like that's his miss like accuracy wise though he's good for the most part he's pretty damn solid it's just that's his miss and then the thing about you made a great point man is seeing the field sometimes he just doesn't see it and when he doesn't see it it's because he's jittery and uncomfortable with pressure. Like that is when, like the prime example is the bears kept getting and generating pressure and his depth perception is still not great to know. I have two mm-hmm. or three yards before this guy should really make me uncomfortable. So like, that's the hard, it's one of the hardest things to do in sports, man, is like to play quarterback with your eyes downfield and feel pressure. That's why there's like seven really, really great, great, great quarterbacks because that yep. stuff is so hard. So he's still not good at that. Like I think Matt Waldman was on last week and made a great point about bake, which was like schemed up plays. Baker is as good as you could want. He's got great arm strength. He can put it in a keyhole when he's clean, but it's the things that take him from that guy to when chaos is around him is, is, is can he settle in and make those throws when his body's not right or when the pressure's mounting, or when my left tackle's been beat three times and I have to trust it and step up and not get jittery, can he do that? There's still questions around that. He has to be able to take broken down plays and make something out of them, or throw from weird body angles, and it's like, we're just not seeing that stuff. Again, I think he's improved. Yeah. Like He used to bail out of the pocket all the time. He stopped doing that. He's been better. But how well do you deal with the chaos? I have the numbers here, Jordan. I mean, he's He's five of thirteen under pressure this year for eighty-one yards and a pick. Like yep. he's he's fifty-four of sixty-seven when kept clean. Eighty-six, eighty percent, two touchdowns, one interception on the forced throw against the Texans where he left it high and inside, but not blitzed. Forty-seven of sixty-four. Even when blitzed, it's twelve of sixteen. He usually if the blitz doesn't get to him. He usually eats it up. It's just the under pressure metrics. It's the it's the thing yep. that separates the good from the oh wow. That is ridiculous, right? Yeah. No, you're. I, I think that is so, like, if there is a summation of how Baker goes to the next level that we we hope he can get to, but we don't know yet, I think is, is that, is can he out of structure when they need him on third downs or, you know, even fourth downs late in games, like, can he, uh, you know, create something when, yeah, it's not, I wrote about this after um, the Kansas city game, because there was a similar towards the end of the game. There was some stuff like that where they needed a play or two out of them uh, when they got down or, or when the chiefs are making their little run 
um, sort of on third downs and out of structure and it just sort of didn't happen. And it's like Stefanski's offense is so, is a machine, like, you know, like he, Stefanski's play designs um, yeah. and that running game um, make that play action for Baker so deadly. And I think like this week, that pass, that first pass he missed on a play action was the first pass he'd missed. It had all been year. incomplete on the play yeah. action all year. So yeah. like Stefanski gives him um, a blueprint and Stefanski when, when that offense is humming um, and Baker knows exactly what he's seeing, you're hundred percent right. Like he'll make all the throws. He can boot out to the left and like flip his hips and like you're given defense as hell, but it is outside of that sort of safety net that Stefanski gives him where he's got to make those plays. And until like that is happening, like you said, especially under pressure, which is a lot of time how the out of structure stuff happens. Um, yeah. We just, we just can't say he's up at that top tier with the guys that are doing that on a consistent basis. And that is a very small and select group of quarterbacks. But when you're trying to get to a Super Bowl, you know, and when you have those pieces around you, like you, you still got to have your quarterback who can, on that out of structure stuff and on those play breakdowns, like, you know, make throws and you're like, okay, wow. Like that play should not have worked, yeah, <laughs> but it did. 100%. Um, and we're still waiting on that. So I think you put that absolutely perfectly. And that's not to say he won't make some, he'll make some keyhole throws that remind you, like he's pretty gifted. Like yep. He'll, he'll make some darts like the over route against KC and a joke where he dropped it in a bucket or, He's made some great corner out throws through his career. And the back shoulder throws are nothing to scoff at. He is in the top 15 of quarterbacks. I, I really believe he's like at the 15 to 15 range. Is he a guy, though, that you're not going to have Conklin, Teller, Treader, Wills, and Antonio forever? So if yep. you have to go cheap on the O-line, how does he compensate? What does he do? Does the ball get out lightning quick? Do they have answers? Does anticipation start to really increase? Those are the questions that will linger here for, for the, the franchise's long-term decision-making and all, all of it. I mean, it all, it all is in front of what, what they do this year, how far they go this year. I mean, the next four games, you mentioned two of them, but then they come home for Arizona and Denver's defense is lights out. So it's, he's got, I told, I told people before these got 17 chances to prove he's worth the money he wants. And he's not, he's left some, some money on the table like right now, but it's not defined right now. It'll be defined when they get to the end of the year. And if he makes plays when it matters then, but like, the things about Baker that have been the things are still showing up. He, you know, the pressure stuff, the, uh, the, the, in, in a couple of those misses against Chicago where just, you, you know, throws, he doesn't normally miss. He doesn't miss the, the Bryant pretty easy over route on play action in the fourth quarter. He doesn't yep. really miss those wheel routes often, but you know, you go back to watch the film breakdown I did of him against the Texans and he was just missing people that were open and he missed, he missed Odell on a dig. This is not meant to be a Barry Baker thing. I think he's good. Again, though, is he ever going to be great? And that's my theme. Like, is he going to get to greatness? And don't don't get mad at me and and come at me with stuff. just you got to trust me. I, you just you got. I watch all this stuff. I want nothing more, Jordan. You're the same, dude. I want nothing more than for Baker Mayfield to be the greatest quarterback walking planet Earth. That would make me so happy. Make me yeah. so happy. I get no more. No, but relation. you got to be. You got to be realistic about what he is, and um, I think, you know, like there's just stuff that, yeah, like he, if he misses, it's a game within the game, right? Like you, you think about this Bears game, and like, okay, the defense is absolutely dominating. Like literally, <laughs> as we all know, the Bears had like one passing yard. Like as good of a defensive performance against an obviously very. Um, 
deficient Bears offense. But like the Bears were still in that game for most of it because offensively the Browns just weren't really doing much, you know? So like had that been I think when we I think it, when we talk about Baker like this, it is in the it is always in the context of where where should this team be at the end of the year, you know? And like I think for for me, for you, for a lot of people, the expectations are a deep playoff run. Um, and I think that's where they should be. And so when we, I think, talk about these games, like, you know, the score looks like the Browns absolutely dominated and they did on one side of the ball. But like, I, I, I think as we talked about, like that was not a dominant offensive performance. So like, I think whenever we talk about this stuff and I'm sort of at the point now where it's like, look, if you get upset because, you know, we're breaking down Baker in a unbiased way, like then that, you know, this probably isn't the podcast for you or this, or me and Jake are probably not uh, people you, you want to follow. And that's fine. Like go do your thing. But like, you know, it, it's a disservice to not you know, point out the stuff like, Hey, like this week they got through this game because of X, but like there are throws that Baker is going to have to hit when they start playing better teams. And especially when they start playing teams in the playoffs. And if they really want to like make a legitimate Super Bowl run, which I think like for all of us is like, that's pie in the sky, but man, it's not out of the question. So I I think with this stuff, like I think you always got to take when we talk about Baker in that context, like we should be hard on him, you know, like that, that means he's good. And we should be hard on that quarterback to get better because like we, we and the Browns organization have, I think big ideas for what the season can be for sure. I think that you're putting a bow on what is supposed to be the whole offense. We always spend too much time on Baker. Um, I think there's a lot of really salient points there. We'll, we'll revisit it late in the year. We'll see if he's able to overcome. He's streaky. He's just right now. He's, he's a, a streaky, streaky guy. Dude. Absolutely. Yeah. And yep. we'll see if he can take form and, and you know, you can make excuses for him. That's cool. The shoulder's a real thing. It got drilled his fault he did it but it is a thing right like so okay you know it's it's he's got every opportunity to get it right he's got four very important games the good thing is that these bad games have they're not really bad the mediocre games haven't hurt them they they were still able to win so he'll need to be better and i will say too like if there is anyone i trust in like week to week adjustments and tweaking things as they go along like it it is kevin stefanski and it is like I think they, as the season goes on and they sort of learn week to week, okay, what works, what isn't working, him and Baker kind of in concert with that stuff. Like, I think you will continue to see the offense improve on that side. Obviously, like, you know, you've got Odell saying he was exhausted. Like, they're, they are still very much a work in progress themselves. They lose Jarvis Landry, you know, for at least three games. So, like, there's always these things that are going to be happening within the season, but I do feel very confident that like they will adjust uh, as, for both opponent and just in terms of what they're doing well offensively and how they can get better. And like, I will always be confident now that they sort of have this coaching staff in place that like, it's not going to be like, you know, there's a lot of talk about, the bears putting Justin Fields in bad positions with five man protections and letting the Browns go to town. Like, I don't think you will find, very rarely will you find this coaching staff putting Baker in bad positions. And so I think like uh, from that sense, um, you know, it's exciting to see as they move on what the rest of on a week to week basis, how the offense is going to look. For sure. Well, we're talking about the, the, the offense putting guys in the right position. We're three games in man. We're 76 targets deep from the wide receiver, tight end running back group. And it is, you ready for this? It is Hooper, with the, the leading target receiver. Hooper, 11. 
Kareem Hunt, 10. Odell, 9. Harrison Bryant, 8. David Njoku, 8. Schwartz, 7. Landry, 6. Demetric Felton, 5. Higgins, Peoples-Jones uh, with 4. Chubb with 3. And Andy Janovich just had 1 target. It's a bit all over the map. Um, yep. It's a bit It's a bit all over the map. Now, Odell comes back. He gets 9. That'll continue to uptick. Uh, the thing that's interesting is Schwartz gets 5 targets week 1 and has had 7 now total through the season the joku gets six mm-hmm. targets week one the, the point is they don't care they're just gonna throw to whoever there is no rhyme yep. or reason behind this whole thing and uh kareem hunter leading receiver in, to- in terms of total yards right now with 104 and the joku's with 94 do not count on the browns for fantasy where are you at on this group <laughs> do you feel like they're do you feel like they're doing okay uh i don't i don't know i'm just kind of curious the weaponry right around baker people talk about the weapons all the time it's like yeah, but it's interesting. The things never seem to come out the way we're expecting, right? Yeah. No, I think I think you're right. And I think like with this three tight end system, like, yeah, like I, I picked up Njoku and Fantasy after week one because I was like, oh, man, it looks like they're really looking at him. And, you know, he's so talented. Like we keep waiting for him to have like a, a huge season. But it's just impossible in this offense because – like you said, there's Hooper. Uh, and then you've got Harrison Bryant and, you know, you just, you don't know who's going to get the ball on any given uh, snap. So it's just, yeah, it is hard to count, but I would say, I feel, I feel really good now that Odell is back and hopefully this Jarvis thing um, after three weeks, he's able to come back and be, be himself. And it's not anything more serious than that. I think this is why I've always been so, so high on like, just, get Odell, give Odell a, a training camp and an off season and then work him into the offense. And like, let's see where we're at as we go through the season, because he didn't have that last year. Browns were still finding themselves. Then he, you know, he gets injured and, and that's that. Um, so I think like when you have, I think about they're different offenses, but I think about the Packers with Devontae Adams and then everybody else. And like, now Devontae Adams is a better wide receiver than Odell Beckham Jr. Like just at, at this point. Um, but it's a similar thing in that you have like that one sort of alpha wide receiver and Odell still has that speed. He's still got that quick cut ability. Like he's still that guy. Um, when you have that, it changes then the rest of like the supporting cast around him. And I think like the supporting cast around Odell is phenomenal. I think you just have to, keeping Odell healthy and finding ways, smart ways to get him the ball. Then it's like, okay, now you've got your tight ends where weapons. It is sort of like, who knows exactly what Donovan Peoples Jones and Higgins are going to be. But like, I feel really good about Odell and Jarvis. And then the trio of like Higgins Schwartz um, and Peoples Jones, like, getting first downs, moving the chains every once in a while. And then you've got your, your screen game with the running backs. And like, I, I feel really good about that. I think it is just a matter of keeping Odell healthy and figuring out how best to sort of use him and get him loose on some deep shots. And then, you know, getting Jarvis back and having him healthy, because then I think that offense is going to be really, really difficult to stop. And I think you saw a glimpse of that um, in week one, they didn't have Odell, but Schwartz did some Odell like stuff. and he's a rookie, so week to week, that's going to be obviously we've seen after his a failure to break up that interception against the Texans. We haven't really heard his name much, um, and it's going to be like that. But uh, I think, yeah, like that's why I think having Odell as a part of this offense is so so important because without him, um, and especially if you lose Jarvis, then you're kind of just like, well, 
you know, this, this is a very formulaic offense where they're going to have to really scheme stuff up. But with Odell, you know, you can scheme stuff up, but you can also just, he's Odell. Um, and, and that is, I think, so, so important. So I, I feel good, Jake, with the caveat being like, we already saw the injury to, to Jarvis, which sucks. Um, and you just hope that, you know, Odell and his stamina and, and his, his whole rehab, you know, he just is able to kind of like push it the whole season. So we'll see. Yeah, the 51 snaps is encouraging that he did not feel. Absolutely. That he, yeah, that he didn't feel. Although you mentioned, and he's mentioned, obviously, the winded nature and the emotions and all that. For and sure. Then, but that's going to, yeah, that's going to take time. And I bet you, absolutely. I bet you next week he'll be, he'll already be in such better game shape. But yeah, um, he <laughs> just hearing him be like, well, and also, Jake, I guess the trend now is just guys dislocate their shoulder, they pop it back in, they just keep on going. I saw another quote, like, obviously, we had Baker. Odell just, I, I guess, after the game was like, yeah, I had to pop my shoulder back in. Like, okay. And then there's yeah. somebody, there was a, somebody else from another team, and I'm blanking on who it was, but very similar quote. Like, yeah, I just went out, popped back in, came back in. Like, okay, man, whatever works. Like, yeah, it like is little, just so wild. Like little action Football players are insane yeah. people. Yeah, they, it's they just, really it's weird. crazy. We were talking about that earlier. <laughs> we were watching the O-line play where I think Will's on a, on a deuce block, double team, just absolutely rib shot into the D tackle and that whips him into Treader's legs and like Treader oh. just buckles, but he still plays. And it's like, how did Joe Thomas play? Oh. No, like it doesn't make the stuff that goes on along the inside of an O line that you don't even see on TV is just so vicious to the body. I don't, it makes the Joe Thomas stuff absolutely ludicrous that it worked out for him that long. But to your point on the receivers, I just continue to focus on guys I think are long-term pieces Schwartz mm-hmm. and then the two yep. six round guys. I think, I think what the, the arc of where uh, Demetric Felton's career is going to go with his wiggle. Oh my goodness. And the punt return yards and like, and like what he could, excuse me, what he could potentially be as a guy that plays relatively similar to Jarvis Landry. He's so unique. He's, he's, he's a wide receiver by nature, but he definitely didn't spend the time there. He needed to in college, like just these two six round picks are fascinating because I think Donovan people's Jones has a real chance to be a legitimate X down the line. Um, so those are the guys I'm focusing on. Jarvis will be fine. Odell should be continue to be the guy we think he can be. I thought the, you know, I just, I, I thought he, He's not. Someone asked me the other day, is he is he ever going to be New York O'Dell again? And I just don't think so. I think that guy was no, on the planet at that time. Yeah, um, I agree with you. But the the version of this Odell at the peak is still really damn good and can be a very productive wide receiver one. So, um, you know, he can play Z, he can play X, he can move in the slot, he can do everything. So I still think there's a really big season in him somewhere. Could still be this yeah. season. We'll, we'll yeah, keep and on. I think even just like that ball he caught that was basically just like a seven yard slant, but he sort of just like saw it into his hands, even though he was like completely draped, like the corner was completely draped over him. It's just like stuff like that where you're like, man, he's so good. You know, like that ball was thrown a hundred miles per hour from Baker and Odell just sort of like, it's in my hands. Uh, I'm going down as I'm catching it. And there's a cornerback like over my shoulder, but it doesn't matter. It was only a seven yard game, but it's still like the type of catch that I would just be like, a lot of guys drop that ball. That's a tough ball to catch, and it just looks like nothing, you know, to Odell. Yeah. So there's always those little glimpses where you're like, oh, that's why. <laughs> like, that's why he's yeah. Odell. So That is. You do get there. those reminders. Uh, yeah. The running back tandem is the best in the league right now, according to metrics of grading. Um, they're, you know, Chubb and Hunter, 81.5 and 81.2. From a number standpoint, 
trying to look here. This is kind of s- spread out a little bit. After contact yardage, 180 and 119. They're, they're, let me see if there's a broken tackle metric. Missed tackles, 417 for Nick, 11 for Kareem. I would imagine that is pretty high among everybody Pass in the straight. NFL. I'm going to I'm gonna check that real quick. I'm looking on this fancy pro football focus website. Um, uh, missed yes. tackles, 417 leads the league for Nick, 11 from Kareem, a sixth. 10 plus That's yard unreal. runs. Unreal. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. Nick Chubb has eight, 10 plus. Ma, Kareem has is tied for fifth with six yards after contact. Kareem is number one in the NFL with 4.10 yards after contact per attempt. Nick is third, 3.75. It is pretty preposterous how good these two are. They have two of the best running grades in the NFL and um, their balance. This is something I've continued to say, Jordan, is that they're viewing these guys as extenders of each other. Like they can extend the careers by reducing, you can cut your season and I don't think Nick Chubb cares if he runs for 1900 yards. Like he just wants, if they both go for the 12 to 800 to 1200 range that they see themselves as one. And like Nick got his money. Kareem's got some money. They're just like living life and happy and taking the burden off of each other. They are so in tandem and how they use them is built in a way to keep their legs fresh. Like I view them as two guys who are, pushing each other to be better and taking the burden off the other guy. And that's like the best outcome here, right? Oh, by far. And yeah, if there is anyone who, who does not care about stats, it is, it is Nick Chubb. Like, so like, I think that guy just wants to like be a good teammate and win football games. Uh, And, you know, the the best thing about those two, it it really is just like, there's such polar opposites uh, personality wise. Um, And, you know, it's funny, Jake, because I, before Kareem came to the Browns and I wasn't watching every chiefs game when he led the league in rushing, but like, I always thought of him as like this finesse guy, like this really quick, like finesse guy out of the backfield. That dude like loves to like Baker said it in his press conference after the game, like Kareem was searching out contact. Like he loves it. And it like, I did not think of Kareem hunt as that guy before he got to the Browns, but that dude will run you over just like Chubb will. Like they both, will as you just mentioned their yards after contact like they will bowl you over or they will avoid your hit um no it is really the perfect pairing and especially kareem like just devastating in the screen game like that the screen game with both of them is is great but like particularly kareem he will just he's tearing people up on the screen game um and then like you mentioned felton who is doing all sorts of stuff but like they ran, I think they, that play um, early on that, that Felton got about, I don't know, like 15 yards where they, it was a play action to the left and, and Felton came across the formation, the yeah. other side, like as a, as a defense, what do you, what do you do? Like either they're going to hand it off to one of the best running backs in the NFL and you're dealing with that on that side. And then you're like, oh man, they have this dude who has made almost every first defender miss sprinting across the formation um baker is now booting that way and just getting him the ball in space man like that is a devastating offensive formation for the browns and like the the fact that they just have felton that just were able to draft him and just throw him into this mix is pretty spectacular so yeah man it is in a league and where running and just the concept of running has has really sort of obviously gone down over time. The Browns are doing it in, in a way that's right. Like you mentioned it, like splitting carries, keeping guys fresh screen game stuff, 
Like, it's not just, hey, we're giving Nick Chubb 40 carries a game. You know, it's not yeah. like this old school running mentality. This is like new age running stuff. And it is, especially in those second halves. And they did it to the Bears. They did it to the Texans. Like, they just, at the end of games, the defense is like, God damn it's it. Body you know? <laughs> it's body blows. It's the body blows thing, dude. Like, I have not seen a team who, and listen, they went into the fourth quarter Sunday with like 22 carries between them for 68 yards. I was like, yep. Chicago's playing, and, and the Texans played them into like four negative runs, maybe five the week before. Uh, and now, I was Early just on, like, they were getting nothing against the Bears well, in that team, like first and second quarter. Yeah, teams were loading up, and, and, and you can outgap run game. You can just eventually, the Browns will do this, this shit with 13 personnel, where they just basically say you guys can play nine in the box and we don't care we're still going to run. <laughs> yep. And it's like they are they they go into the fourth quarter with 68, they leave the fourth quarter with 100 rushing yards. Like I have yet to really see. Now Colts played them okay, but even the Colts game last year, Dearness Johnson closed that game out with a 25-yard run up the left sideline. Like I have not seen a team that unless you jump out, you get Cleveland down 14, 17 points and they have to throw. I have not seen a team four quarters collectively shut them down run game wise. Somebody can go fact check me on that and, and report to me on Twitter, whatever. But they're if they're in a neutral stance or they're out in front, they will eventually figure out between Callahan, Stefanski, AVP, and and Peters in the box. They're going to figure it out. And even if they don't figure it out in the 29-yard touchdown from Kareem Hunt, a safety comes through free. He eludes him. He just makes him miss uh-huh. in the backfield. And then at 11 yards, Eddie Jackson just gets a jump cut from hell where Kareem jump cut somehow turns sideways. That dude is like the craziest controlled runner I've ever seen. It is you're right. Like I didn't think he ran the way he ran until he got here. He's like his arms are kind of all over the place, but he can stop on a dime. And then sometimes when you think he's going to stop, he'll run through you when you don't expect it. He's just the perfect counter. Like he is the the brute force to Nick Chubb's like beautiful finesse. But then you'll think, okay, Nick is this patient, vision based finesse runner, but he'll run through you or he'll stiff arm. Yeah. And it's like they're just so good. And they have these guys for two years. Yeah, they can get out of Kareem Hunt's deal next year for no dead cap, but I don't think they will. They they're too complementary, and they like to do the, the the throwing aspect of the position. They like to do it with with Kareem, and and yeah, you mix in what Felton can do as a. I label him as a wide receiver, but he does some running back things. Like yep. It's just a really good dynamic. And when they're going to be clicking at some point this year and Baker's going to be right on and they're going to be rolling, like it's going to be, it's going to be really fun. And then not that it hasn't been, they're still doing, they put up 400 yards. Like they're fine. It's just a matter of like getting it all clicking. I mean, the offensive line, I want to close on this with you, you know, other than Jed, who is clearly that roll up in KC was pretty, pretty gnarly i i just i thought the dude was gonna be out for like six weeks let alone trying to play yep. the next week he's kind of hopping along and you can't play blake hans i like him a lot but he's definitely not a guy that can play tackle I <laughs> he's a good he's a good guard. story but oh. uh yeah that's tough not the not the dude but you got to get michael dunn healthy because michael dunn's a player you get michael dunn healthy and you get chris hubbard healthy and you can still be okay i just feel like jed is trying to go out and prove something right now and he's, he's clearly not playing at the level the others around him are. Yeah. And I mean, I, you know, they took him, they took him out for stretches on Sunday. Cause it was just like, he's not giving you anything. There was that very weird people called it like unplugging the controller where I still don't fully understand what happened where he just like, they snapped it and he just didn't block. And then he kind of like looked back and was like, wait, 
and I'm sure there was some sort of miscommunication there, but it just was, yeah, it was, it was tough to watch it at some points. Cause like, man, like if he can't move, like he, you know, that the movement for a guy that size is what makes him so good. And if he can't, you know, if he can't move like that, then it's just going to be a disaster. So yeah, like to your point, like absolutely a lot of respect for him working his ass off and just fighting through it. But at, at a certain point you're hurting the team more than you're helping it, especially at off. It's at such an important, you know, position on the offensive line. So, um, they're Again, still so yeah, good. They're still so good. No, they're so it's, fun to break down. And that's the thing. Like, even with him with, like, one leg, they're still most of the time, you know, creating holes and doing what they're doing. So, like, it, it is truly wild to see what this – what Bill Callahan and this and this offensive line have become. It's it's a it's a joy to watch. And it's, it's so much fun to watch, too, like, the national guys that, like – I think about, like, Brandon Thorne, who does a ton of, you know, defensive and offensive line kind of film study and tweets out clips. And just watching guys just sort of, like, drool over – blocks that Batonio and, and Treader are making or Wyatt Teller are making. And you're seeing it from national guys who are just like loving it. Like Nate Tice it does a lot of that too. They're just like, you know, they just love what the Browns do on the offensive line. And it really is, it is, it is fascinating to watch. Yeah. I mean, between, between Teller, Treader and Batonio, those true pass sets, they've had 41 collective true pass sets. Those, True pass sets are like think third down and you can't even use anything. You can't screen, you can't yep. run, you can't play action. They're like true. You have to drop back third and thirteen and throw it. And the defense knows you're going to throw it. They've allowed four pressures and forty one apiece. Like one from Batonio, one from Treader, and and two from Teller. I mean, even though Jed is struggling the way he's struggling, he's only allowed five. And and. uh uh, Conklin's been a little uneven too. He's allowed he's allowed four collectively. He's given up a couple sacks, but I don't know. I think we can get spoiled by it sometimes. I, the, the, you look around the league, you play a team like the Bears should be no better example, but then you're like you're judging the Browns based on how good we think they are, and it's like I can't believe they gave up five sacks, and it's like you got to uh, keep like, perspective. You do, and it, it's so funny. I think because like those two fourth down plays um, in that first quarter that they didn't get, I was like in disbelief that's the point that we've gotten to now with this offense especially when you just need short yardage with how creative they are i'm just like i cannot believe that yeah there was like a mistimed snap um or they you know stefanski called something and it was against the wrong coverage and you're just like i cannot believe they didn't get those fourth downs because that's where we're at with this offense and like 100 percent I am taking it for granted right now compared to the past where you just be like, yeah, of course they didn't get that fourth, that fourth down, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, no, there's no chance they're getting this. And now yeah. I expect it. Like I expect them to easily pick up short yardage. Um, and when it doesn't happen, you're like, wait, what? So like, that's where <laughs> yeah. we're at. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Well, this has been a fun pod 45 minutes deep that kind of gives you a reflection of this game, where we think they are as a whole offensively. Jordan, this has been great, buddy. We appreciate your time. Of course, man. Always love to uh, always love to do it. So anytime. All right, guys, that's a wrap for today's show. Thanks to Jordan for joining us and chatting. Thanks to you all for, as usual, checking in uh, to this podcast daily. Basically jumped over 2,500 listens per episode, which is bananas to me. You guys are fantastic. Your support means the world. Reminder of content out there that the Twitch has the Baker Mayfield breakdowns. If you want to go back and watch that film room. And then we will be back. For your Wednesday Chalk Talk uh, with O-Line Play, Kyle Murphy and John Stephenson on to talk defense. Check that out at 7 o'clock. Other than that, 
Go back and check out the defensive comprehensive breakdown if you want to do that as well. There will be all 22 scouting notes up, hopefully for both sides of the football tomorrow. Go into pretty great detail on those, so those take a bit sometimes. Anyway, thank you for your time. Thank you for your effort to find this pod, listen to it, like, share, subscribe, all of that. It's very much appreciated. Came across some vintage now, vintage Browns film breakdown hats from myself and John Colosimo when we first started. Check them out. They're on Twitter. I posted them. Got about 20 of them. We're going to give them away. I'm going to think of how we're going to do the giveaway. I'll let you know. Keep your ears out for that. If you like that type of hat and you're into uh, a little vintage hat, we might do some newer hats too. We'll see. Anyway, thanks for joining. Have a great Wednesday. And as usual, go Browns. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.